0: You are now listening to The Jet Stream, the official New York Jets podcast of Gotham Sports Network.
1: What's up, everybody? This is the Jets stream, the official New York Jets podcast of Gotham Sports Network. My name is Jesse Finver, and I cannot wait for this podcast. This is an amazing episode that we have going on today. Not with me today is Andrew Claudio. He's usually my co-host, but we have another excellent co-host in with us today. Connor Sheeran of Gotham Sports Network. What's up, my man?
2: What's going on, Jesse? Glad to be back on here. You know, yeah. Talk a little Jets. Talk a little draft. Glad yeah. to be
1: here. It's been a while, man. It's been a while. It we has. have an, we have a jam packed episode. We have Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report on this episode. But before we get to Connor Rogers, not Connor Sheeran, uh, before we get to that, let's 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 talk about the draft, Connor. Um, obviously, this was a this was a unique draft for us because for once we didn't need a quarterback. Um, which was just you know Thank the, God. the most wonderful feeling because I, we have we've, we've known each other for a couple of years now and we've just kind of suffered through the awful, the awfulness that is the New York Jets quarterback situation but last year the Jets traded up and took Sam Darnold obviously and we are I'm, yeah, I the feeling I have is like cautiously, really optimistic about where he is, especially after the last four weeks or so of last season. It it, it seems like the Jets have actually found this this starting franchise quarterback they've so desperately lacked since forever. Um, uh, <laughs> Chad Pennington. Yeah, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even <laughs> say I wouldn't even say Chad. <laughs> um, you know. So, all right, the Jets they had six draft picks in this draft. Uh most notably, they had the third overall pick. Um Connor, give me your initial impressions of this draft. What did you like? What didn't you like? Let's let's hear it.
2: Loved the Quinn and Williams pick. I was still uh, very much on team trade back going into the draft itself, but once it became readily obvious that that was just not going to happen, uh the Jets weren't getting the um they weren't getting the return that they were looking for from any team. And obviously no team was, um, that high on any, any quarterback except for Kyler Murray, obviously. So no one wanted to trade up that high. And I'm glad the jets didn't, um, you know, didn't jump on something prematurely and not get enough back. Uh, I feel like that's been known to happen in the past with the jets, but, um, I feel good. I mean, and Williams was the obvious pick at three. Uh, you know, Kyler Murray was went at one. Once there, kind of everything played out up until the Giants' pick. Uh, everything sort of played out uh, as people was were expecting. And uh, Quentin Williams, I mean, there's not much more to say than you than anyone listening to this hasn't heard already. Uh, best review I've heard about him so far is that he's Aaron Donald 2.0. Which, <laughs> if we get anything even remotely close to that, I think uh, all Jets fans, like everyone, oh, should. Yeah. Be- very very excited about that. Yeah, Aaron is arguably the best player in the league. So exactly, you know, I was
1: I was kind of split because um, you know I, I, a lot of fans uh, wanted Josh Allen. Um, you know, some were you know w- there were reports coming out that we were going to be looking at Ed Oliver um, at three because Greg Williams wanted him. And you know, I we saw our favorite our favorite guy Manish. Uh, mm. He uh, he tweeted out today, uh, and we are recording. On Thursday, so he tweeted out on Thursday that uh, if the Jets had the number one overall pick, the pick would have been Nick Bosa. Um, You know, I I think that, and we'll get to this in a second, the Jets got a a really good edge rusher potentially that ran a similar 40 time to Mm -hmm. nick bosa you know um and and he's still he's a really and we and we i get into this i i in the interview with conor rogers i get into i ask him all about these picks and you know he's gone and see these guys in person and and i won't give away really anything more than that but quinnon williams i was really happy with because he is or he's the he was like he he's the safe pick exactly And, and, and 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 with that like safeness, I mean, it, we were kind of used to that at this point because past three, four years, it's been a safe pick every single time. Leonard Williams fell to the Jets, and then they got Jamal Adams, and then Sam Darnold, um, you know, which was more of a need than a than a if he uh, a safe pick, you know. Hmm. But it was definitely something that Jets fans were uh, I, I, seemingly we're all pretty happy with that pick, you know. So, uh, <laughs> and so I, I think that with Quinn and Williams, we got a really, really low floor guy or a high floor guy, excuse me. Yeah. Um, yes. I'm just really happy that we have a guy who can rush the passer. He, he's, he's so dominant. Uh, and then there's, really ja- is, Ka- there's man. Jakai Pol- Polite, um, who, and I, and we won't talk about him too much because I don't want to spoil too much of the upcoming interview, but Mr. Rogers is very, very high on Jakai Polite. I'll, let's just put it that way. Um, and then there's a bunch of other, you know, kind of swinging for the fences picks that, you know, McKagan really hasn't hit on the past couple of years. And so hopefully maybe this kind of reverses that trend. Um, all right, let me ask you this. So you, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but what were your thoughts on McKagan trying to trade down and, and then trade up, trade down the first round and then tra- try and trade up into the second round? Because personally, I was really happy that they didn't end up sending a bunch of picks to try and trade up in the second round. I would have really, really loved that they could have tried to trade down I would have been totally fine taking Josh Allen like in like the 6 to 8 or 6 to 10 range, you know. Um, or even an Ed Oliver who, you know, who's a very very talented player is going to be pissing us off for the next 10 years in Buffalo.
2: More than um, likely.
1: Right. So what 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 were you what were your thoughts on that?
2: Once once the trade back scenario in the first round didn't happen, I would... I got uh, very nervous uh, the, for the same reasons that you were saying about trying to jump into the second round and the, the high second round for that matter. Yeah. Uh, I got very nervous about that because I don't know, just some about that trading up. Like sometimes it's just like, you know, obviously last year they needed to do it for Darnold because, and I was totally on board with that because at some point you got to make a move and you got to go for your guy. And obviously they did that. And then, you know, knock on wood, it's worked out so far. Uh, so Knocked I wasn't
1: a lot of wood.
2: on a lot of wood. Lot of wood. <laughs> <a darn old. laughs> Those last four games gave us a whole lot of hope. Let's hope uh, that doesn't crush us coming into this season. But right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have a second round pick, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, if the price was becoming too high, then I'm glad McCagnon, you know, held on. You know, didn't. Pull the trigger on anything not that he's had the greatest you know draft history of all the gms in the league i think he's a i think he's a pretty good trade gm right he's got he's done pretty good trade wise uh, as far as i'm concerned the darnold trade was great uh the sheldon richardson trade was great Um right. he's, he's he's hit on a, he's hit on those The drafting has clearly been his weakness so especially uh, in
1: the later rounds
2: Especially you know, in the later rounds. I mean, I've, I can't tell you how many times I've looked at some of these draft lists, and I mean, I they're not,
1: they're, they're no longer there. They're gone. They're just
2: not there. They're just, <laughs> they're just not there. Or guys he's like shot for are they just busted and they're they're, they're practice squad players or they're just not they're just not there anymore. So
1: yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I really think that <clears throat> I would have been really like I said before. I would have loved to trade down. Um, you know, the ideal, the most ideal situation would have been. Uh, with the Raiders at four because you get to stay mm-hmm. in the top five. But I mean, you know, I'm glad that things fell the way they did um, because getting a player like Quinn and Williams can, I mean, I wouldn't say it's going to change the jets defense because this defense is already on the up, up and up, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but it, it it's definitely going to have a, a, a really big impact. It's it, like, it's not like a Jamal Adams type of culture changing pick, you know? Yeah. Cause, and and while he may be just as good, I'm just talking about a culture wise like this isn't like a, a franchise altering pick, I don't think. I just think that he's just a really good player um, that's gonna further improve this already pretty solid front seven that they have. Yeah. Um, obviously, and 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 I want to touch on this a little bit. I mean, it kind of sucked that we weren't able to get a cornerback until the sixth round, um, especially that's with, another
2: that's another story. <laughs> bless
1: you on Austin. he has a torn ACL right now. So I mean, I'm really hoping that somebody steps up uh, in uh, in OTAs and, and then into training camp, like a Perry Nickerson from last year, who was a freshman out, freshman, excuse me, a rookie out of Tulane last year, um, and he had a whole lot of promise um, uh, coming out. You know, as like a late round potential like sleeper pick. Um, you know, if he can figure it out, that would have been that would be really beneficial to this team. Um, let me ask you this. Where are you at with this team right now? We the offseason's pretty much like done. Where there's Mac, signing his undrafted free agents, the draft is over, the free agency is pretty much done, you know. W- are you content or are you hungry for more right now? Cuz there are still holes on this team in my opinion.
2: There are a ton of holes still left in this team and it was a a bit of a problem that I uh, I had with the draft is that it's just it was classic jets that they just, they, they, they took like one or two guys in, on the offense, so offensive side of the ball and everything else. They just loaded up on defense. Like and they seem to do that. It feels like year after year. And it's, they just through the ever pretty much everyone knows, or there's like that old saying about, you know, you don't win the Super Bowl through free agency and it's all, everything's done through the draft and stuff like that. And, right. you know, I, I mean, I, I'm, most of the time I agree, but then, you know, the Jets go on, they sign Le'Veon Bell, so, you know. C.J.
1: Mosley, like, they... like to, they, to
2: hell with that for this season.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the Rams uh, have kind of showed that, too, you know? I mean, the, the, yeah. it, that's the kind of route that this team seems to be trying to replicate, you know?
2: Right. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I'm not opposed to that, um, certainly. Mm-hmm. If, and, I mean, it, it, the whole thing... I mean, this is getting away from the draft for a second, but the whole thing with Le'Veon was, you know... You're gonna go after this guy in a quote-unquote replaceable position for a high price tag. Mm-hmm. Didn't have, he's not the high price tag people were expecting. But back to the draft anyway. Um, yeah, I kind of wish that they really focused a little bit more on the offensive side of the ball. They drafted uh, an offensive tackle, and obviously, offensive line is a big need for them. And then their their other offensive pick was uh, tight end uh, Trevor Wescow from West Virginia, and. By all accounts, he's like he's a very um, utility type of player. Like they, they should be able to slot him in um, where they need to if he has to come on and play on the offense, um, whenever. But a lot of people are starting to think he might just be relegated to more of a primary special teams type role. So mm-hmm. that's frust- it's frustrating to see if they drafted a guy like that in the fourth round because fourth that's round is still you know still a. a spot where you can find some quality players right right it's a little frustrating to see that but then again it's the jets so (laughs)
1: we're we're kind of used to frustration at this point we're
2: kind of used to this
1: yeah you know i am i'm definitely not content you know i think that there are definitely things that need to be addressed that you kind of have to just kind of roll with at this point you know uh maybe you find like some sort maybe one of the undrafted guys you know pans out that would be really great um I mean, otherwise, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely hungry for more. I just think that, you know, there's only so much you can do at this. Like, it it, it is what it is right now. And this is the team that they're really going to be rolling with heading into 2019, uh, the 2019 season. So, um, I mean, it's definitely a step up from where they were last year. Um, This team is, you know, it's definitely raised its win total. Um, you know, I think that they can win in at least seven or eight games, um, depending on how well Same. Sam Darnold progresses. Uh, you know, Robbie Anderson's in a contract year. I think that there's a lot of things that need to go right, but I feel like the floor has been raised for this team based on the moves that they made in the offseason and the, and the draft that they had. Um, so now heading into OTAs, you know, what are you looking forward to? Cause for me, I'm just, I, I'm on all the Le'Veon Bell content I can get.
2: Pretty much. I mean, pretty much. Give give me anything and everything. The first time I see a clip of Sam Darnold throwing a pass to Le'Veon Bell, that's all I need. <laughs> that's all I need to, can shut it down, and wake me up in September. That's it. That's it. That's all I need to say. Uh, yeah, the, I, can't I, mean, I can't wait. I can't wait. at bare minimum. I mean, I hate I hate saying this about the teams I do root for, but this team should have, should be at least fun to watch. You know, is is Bell
1: the best player? We root for the same teams, right? Mets, Jets, Knicks. Yep. Yeah. All right, and then Rangers. But be like, guys, so, yeah, but but like, I mean, maybe I have, maybe Lundqvist, maybe Woj would say Lundqvist and and Fitz, but yeah. you know, is is Le'Veon Bell the best player that Mets, Jets, Knicks fans have had to root for in like the last fifteen twenty years? I mean. Maybe ever, <laughs> no. <laughs> not ever. I don't know about ever, but but definitely, I would re- definitely we, of late,
2: definitely within the the last ten years for sure. You can make the argument of a guy like Jacob Degrom or or someone like that, someone of pure dominance at their position, and you could certainly make the argument. You know, Pete Alonso, Levy, Levy yeah. Pete Alonso. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you could you could make the argument. I'm hesitant to, to, to throw that tag out there just because he's there is that unknown of Bell coming into the season of he didn't play last year and there there was the rumor about his weight, but then he showed up to the Jets facility and oh, lo and behold, those rumors were wrong. And everyone was talking, you know, there was just another Twitter rumor that everyone right. just didn't know what they were talking about. So yeah, there's there is the unknown of going into the season. Did the year or the year off for Le'Veon Is that going to play a factor? But I don't see that happening. So once we get out there and we see what he's made of, it's entirely possible that that becomes the case where he is, you know, as good as advertised, and we actually get to see that for ourselves on a week-to-week basis, right. and not the other side of things where he was on the Steelers and whatever the Jets played him, he was torching us. So
1: well, I'm looking forward to that Jet-Steelers matchup. Um, yeah. so, I think I he I is more, I more I than any of us. Yeah, and then the schedules came out. The Jets have a very, very favorable schedule, um, in the, especially in the second half, in, mainly yeah. in the second half of the season. Like you know, like eight or nine straight games where. You know, on paper, the Jets should win those games. So, it definitely, uh, definitely going to be a fun season. Um, it's been a fun off season so far, and now that the draft is over, um, it's all about evaluation. And and we decided uh, to bring in Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report for this uh, for this episode. I sat down with him, and uh, well, sat down. I I spoke with him over the phone <laughs> about. <laughs> You know, the draft, his thoughts. He is a Jets fan and he also does a lot of draft analysis for Bleacher Report. So, kind of the perfect combination uh, for that. Um, so, without further ado, here is Bleacher Report's Connor Rogers. All right. Now, on the Jets stream, we have a very special guest, Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report. Connor, how are you doing, my man?
0: I'm good, man. What's going on with you?
1: You know, the usual post-draft hype, you know, trying to figure out who the Jets took and why they took them and did they did McCagnon mess it up again um outside of the first round? Because he seems to just hit on the first round constantly and then everything else is just not that great. So hopefully this year is a little different and it kinda has the feeling that it might be. Uh but let's actually like let's get into things uh right off the bat, you know, the Jets picked at three. Uh, they tried to trade down with a number of teams. Now we had Daryl Slater on last week and he gave us a 60-40 chance that the Jets were going to try and trade down. Uh, Obviously they tried, that's all the reports that were coming out after the draft, That they tried to trade down, uh, but they just couldn't find the right pick. Um, Do you think they made the right choice at staying at three and taking and Williams?
0: I do, I really do. I think when it comes down to it, of course, I, th- I would put the effort level at 100 <laughs> with how hard they wanted <laughs> to trade down. I can tell you that for a fact. I know they had some offers on the table. But the problem was here, the, mo- the most complicated part is, I think the best offer they got, and it wasn't a good one, was from the Buffalo Bills. And you have to seriously sit there and evaluate if you can make that kind of trade with a division rival. If the Bills came up and took Quinn and Williams, and he sacked Sam Darnold 20 times over the next five or six years. <laughs> the Jets would never hear the end of it. And, I mean, Mike McKagan probably wouldn't be here really to hear the end of it if that happened. So it was a difficult situation for the Jets. Nobody wanted to come up for a quarterback. That much was quite clear. Washington never got overly serious about moving up from 15 with hopes that their guy, Dwayne Haskins, would fall to them. And he did. So, And here's the most important thing, that somehow a lot of people are missing this Quinton Williams is a phenomenal, phenomenal football player, and I thought he had the highest floor of any player in this draft. So when you look at it, it, this isn't a bad situation for the Jets by far. It's actually a good one, and I think the the reason being is that they still potentially got their edge guy in the third round. So Quentin Williams is going to be really fun to watch for a couple of years. They have a foundation on this defense that I think can be a very special group, and at the end of the day, staying at three – was probably a little more wise than taking some kind of low ball offer.
1: Now, I mean, obviously, it sounds like you really like this Quinn Williams pick, but do you think that he was the right player specifically, or would you have gone with like a Josh Allen or even like an Ed Oliver?
0: Uh, So it's interesting. I I understand uh, the argument for Ed Oliver because I loved Ed Oliver. He was a top two player for me. I look at him. I thought he could have played. The reason I can make the argument, because I really have the same grades on him and Quentin Williams. The reason I can make the argument for Ed is that I think he can play on the outside and the Jets needed an outside pass rusher so, so badly Mm -hmm. in this draft. Now my problem with Josh Allen was uh, he simply was not worth a top three pick. And I understand he went seventh overall. So, It kind of tells you right there. A lot of people were like, well, if he doesn't get taken at three, he'll go four. And he didn't. And he didn't go fifth. And he didn't go sixth. And those three teams that passed on him after the Jets needed edge pass rush help as well. So I'm not sitting here trying to speak down to Josh Allen's ability because I think he's a really good player. I had him as a top 15 player in this class, 14th overall. I think he was a little similar to Anthony Barr, a player the Jets tried to sign somebody that does a lot of good things off the ball, especially in coverage, maybe as an outside run defender and a good speed rush off the edge, but no counter move right, right. that we've seen so far. So uh, no, I, I think the Jets made the right choice. Quinn and Williams or Ed Oliver were the picks for me at the end of this.
1: So you evaluate, you know, that's your thing. What exactly should Jets fans be excited about Quinn and Williams? Because You know, when you look at a defensive tackle, it's not the sexiest pick, and they do a lot of the dirty work on defense. You know, when people are watching uh, the defense play, your your eyes don't naturally go towards uh, the defensive line. You're always watching whatever the offense is doing, right? Is there anything specific that just really stands out about Quinn and Williams that you're like, when you watch him, you're like, wow, that specifically is incredibly impressive?
0: Yeah, it's his athleticism. And I think one thing I've been trying to tell people for a while is right now, this is not Leonard Williams all over again. And Leonard Williams is a really, really good football player. I want to make mm-hmm. that clear because there is a weird narrative that he's not. He's a really good player. But from an athletic profile standpoint, it's not even close. I mean, Quinton Williams' explosiveness off the, off the snap, his foot speed, he, he really is Fletcher Cox. You look at the numbers, especially that 10-yard oh, split. getting me excited. <laughs> it, I mean, he is. That's who he is. He's Fletcher Cox. The 10-yard split numbers are the perfect indicator. The way he plays, he's a pass rusher. I actually think he can be a better pass rusher than run defender. Here's the thing that people got to realize. He went into Nick Saban's office before the season and said, I want to play this year. I don't want to sit on the bench this year in my junior season. I don't want to be a rotational guy. And Nick Saban looked at him and basically said, you have to play nose tackle, which means you need to gain 20 or more, you know, 20 pounds at a minimum. So Quinton Williams had to go up in weight that fast, and he did it. And he was phenomenal at playing nose, shade nose. He was productive at getting to the quarterback, productive against the run. I think when it comes down to it for him, he's done everything that's asked of him at an extremely, extremely high level. And the most important thing is the Jets with this guy are going to get interior pressure. And we've seen that win teams a lot of football games, whether it's the Rams with Aaron Donald, it's the Eagles with Fletcher Cox. The list kind of goes on and on how important that is. But at the end of the day, it's also something that's not easy to find.
1: Right. And I mean, that's like the blueprint for what the Jets did to beat Tom Brady and the Patriots back in 2010 in the AFC divisional game. Sean Ellis had like three sacks and it was just interior pressure. That's kind of the blueprint to take down the Patriots. So and having two dominant guys like that just feels good to have as a Jets fan. Um, Is there anything the Jets would be nervous about with Quinn and Williams in terms of skill, personality, anything that you've noticed?
0: Uh, Personality, no. I mean, he is a phenomenal person, a rare kind of person for that locker room. And it's nice to see the Jets building that kind of – I know people get tired of the word culture, but they have some special players on that defensive side of the ball. Him, Jamal Adams, C.J. Mosley. I mean, the list really goes on and on with the guys in that group. I think maybe the one concern will be – you know, how strong will he be at the next level? He's still kind of growing into his body. You can see it. Mm -hmm. He's not the most muscular guy. He's still, it's weird to say it, but he's a kid. I mean, he's a really, really young player who will need to improve his play strength at the next level. And it's funny to say that because he throws people around in the SEC, the highest level of college (laughs) football. But it's something that it just has to happen. It's just how it goes at the NFL. These guys are going to be strong. He's not always going to be the strongest guy on the field anymore, but with his quickness and most importantly, his work ethic, I think that thing in strength will come over time.
1: You know, and the, what, what sold me on him right away was that video of him sneezing, then blessing himself, blessing himself <laughs> then yes. thanking himself. And that, I I saw that. I'm like, all right, this is my guy. I'm sold. So, all right, let's move on. Uh, the Jets obviously had other picks and McCagnan was on a podcast with Ian Rappaport, uh, dropped yesterday. And he said, and what this was, I mean, he confirmed a lot of reports that he did, in fact, try to trade up into the second round and try and address some needs. But he was unable to do so. And I feel like he kind of just struck out with the whole trade aspect of this draft that a lot of fans and, and, and people, experts, thought that he was going to try and do. And just didn't work out. Did the Jets dodge a bullet, though, that Mac didn't have any second round picks to mess up this time? Or was there something, was there anybody in particular that the Jets really should have tried to get up, trade up and go and get?
0: Well, I think it's kind of a blessing in disguise now, and that's because your guest today is one of the biggest Ja'Kai Polite fans in the world. So I absolutely (laughs) love that pick. I think the Jets really – it would have been risky to trade future capital to go back up, especially – you can't trade that first-round pick. And something that I had heard really was that to go up really high into the second round, it could have potentially cost their future first-round pick. That's off the table for me. The only – the corner I would have really liked him to get was Byron Murphy. He went 33rd overall. He was the first pick of the second round. So, mm. you weren't doing that. The other guy I liked was Greedy Williams, who did fall a little bit, but I don't know if the Jets were ever going to be in play to position themselves to get him. And, and then I believe Manish Mehta said that the Manish. team liked Mikol Hardman and, and a couple wider – they wanted to improve the wide receiver position. Now, I love Nicole Hardman, but once again, is the cost worth it? So – If the Jets didn't get Ja'Kai Polite at the top of the third round, I would probably be telling you a different story right now, that they did screw this up and they should have been more proactive. But sometimes luck goes your way. And I think for Mike McCagnin, he has a lot more luck than a lot of people we've seen in that GM chair for the Jets. I'm a believer in Ja'Kai Polite. I really think he's going to be a good player. And I think for once, the Jets staying pat, sitting tight, worked out in their favor
1: so I was going to ask you, you know, who your favorite pick was of the draft, and it's—I think it's pretty clear that it's Ja'Kai Polite. You know, what exactly stands out about him? Because I know that there were concerns uh, during the combine about his weight, his his interview skills, uh, and whatnot. But it feels like—I mean, everything that I've heard from former players—it doesn't; those those things don't matter. And what matters is and Bart Scott was saying this, I believe what matters is the bend around the edge. And he does that. And he may not run uh, that fast of 40 times. And he pointed out Terrell Suggs doesn't run a fast 40, you know, but he's Neither just has, Nick Bosa. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it, exactly. But at the end of the day, all that matters is getting to the quarterback and that's something that Polite does. Is is that a fair assessment?
0: Yeah, it's a really fair assessment. I mean, he was somebody who I had in my top 15 before he completely bombed the combine process so when it comes down to it, for me, I love this player. And I want to make something clear because it's something that has bothered me a little bit. Ja'Kai Polite is not a bad person by any stretch of the means. There's nobody out there that was close to him that will say he's he has – you know flaws in that way. I think he's immature. There's a really big difference, and it's a problem mm-hmm. that happens before the draft every year. The difference between Im- being immature and being a bad person is dramatic, and I think you can come back from one a lot easier than the other, and I think with Chikai, I mean, here's what it comes down to. He played at 245, 240 pounds, right in that range his last year at Florida. He dropped weight. He got in phenomenal shape. Uh, I read a story online that he had really cut out a lot of, you know, sugary and bad foods to do so, to play on the edge. He didn't want to play three-tech anymore. That's not what he thought he was. He comes in, he has a phenomenal season in the SEC. He's really one of the best sack masters in college football last year. And the kind of sack master that's not walking into sacks, the kind of guy that has a full array of moves, whether it is that bend and dip around the corner, a tight, tight corner turner, that's what he is, spin move. I saw him in a long arm with power at times. And when it comes down to it, for me, I think he's somebody that tried to gain weight in the process to show he could be a three down player, not just a pass rusher kind of guy on the edge. And he got a little banged up and worked out through it. And that those times are not true to the athlete he is. And I think with the Jets, if they do this right, which let's hope they do. I think if you take that kind of risk, because let's make no mistake about it. This is a boom or bust kind of pick. Mm-hmm. You want him to come in, play it the way he played at and succeeded at, at Florida, and guide him along. And they have guys there that know Ja'Kai Polite. He went to the same high school as Leonard Williams. He played at Florida. Brian Poole and Marcus May went to Florida. Those guys are key cogs of this defense. They're all starters right there. That are going right. to be around him and can hopefully guide him. So I'm excited for this pick. Make no doubt about it. There is a gigantic risk factor in this pick. But if you're the Jets with no outside pass pass rush help, this is the kind of swing for the fences you got to take.
1: And you mentioned swing for the fences. What's this guy's ceiling? Because I've heard that this is the best pass rusher the Jets have drafted since, like, John Abraham.
0: I mean, on ability-wise, he's Melvin Ingram. Uh, to a t- he really, really is Melvin Ingram. And wow. I know Melvin Ingram has had some problems staying healthy in the past, but when he's healthy, he's one of the best edge pass rushers in in football when it comes down to it. And I think Ja'Kai, knock on wood, he was healthy this year while playing, and the ability really translates in that Ingram style. You know, those short, explosive, uh, bendy pass rushers on the outside.
1: All right, so we have your favorite pick. Who is your sleeper pick that the Jets took in this draft?
0: Oh, it's tough when you don't have a lot of picks to pick a sleeper, right? I think right. when it comes down to it, you know, I, it, the, the last two picks in, you know, the, the Rutgers corner, Blason Austin, and you look at Blake Cashman, those guys have been really banged up in college. Those are those are tough picks to sign off for me. I hope they can stay healthy because they have talent. So they're not really sleeper picks in my eyes. Chuma Adoga, I think his playability was a second round tackle. The work ethic concerns were probably what put him in you know that far down in the third. I think the true sleeper that nobody knows about, and they're just bored of it because he's labeled as a blocking tight end, is Trevon Wesco. Everybody watched West Virginia this year, and they loved Will Greer, they loved David Sills, they loved Gary Jennings, and even Yadni you who know, was the, on their offensive line, the key part of their offensive line. Everybody loved those players, but they didn't talk about Wesco, who was productive as a pass-catching tight end, was one of the best blocking tight ends in college football, and he blocks in a lot of different ways. He can be a lead blocker for a running back, he can block in line as a tight end. So I, I would go with Wesco as my sleeper because – a lot of people really slept on the Chris Herndon pick last year, and he was extremely, extremely productive for the offense. I think Wesco, who will be less of a pass catcher but more of a blocker, will have a really big role this year as well.
1: Now I know Ch- So Chuma's a USC guy, um, and that, that works well with D- Sam Darnold being a USC guy as well. They played together, um, and you know, hopefully that, that, work, that work ethic can be kind of adjusted and fixed with him. You know, how good can this guy be? Because I've heard up and down things about him.
0: Yeah, I really like the comparison to Kelvin Beacham and, and I don't think Kelvin Beecham's a bad player at all. I think he's a very reliable pass protector. I, I think Idoga is that kind of guy. When you look at him, he's short for a tackle, but he's pretty athletic, and he's mm-hmm. got good feet, and I think he, he is a good pass protector. Sometimes we overvalue nastiness in an offensive lineman because you watch film, and it gets you excited when you see an offensive lineman put someone in the dirt. But I think efficiency is what matters. And when you look at Adoga's efficiency, purely as a pass protector, it it was very high in the country. It really was. So I I like the pick. I think, once again, it's it's a risky pick. But I think the Jets need to do something on the offensive line. And for a class where the talent drop-off was so significant after round two, this was probably the right guy to try to take the swing for the fences on because Sam Darnold is here and has a relationship with him.
1: So I've I have i have been reading up on Blessing Austin. Uh, I'm a Jersey guy. He's Rutgers guy. Um, You know, this guy has talent, from what I've been able to tell. You know, it's just he has a torn ACL right now, and he's never really stayed healthy. I think it was like back to back years he like injured his knee. Yeah, it was. Did they really wait until the sixth round to address this big of a need? Like, is that really like did that really happen? Like, why wait until the sixth round? Was there nobody available? In, in the mid rounds that they could have taken that was a better fit than this guy, Austin?
0: Well, I think at the top of the third, it, it, a lot of picks, you know, could have been a reach. And I think that's really, really dangerous there. So it, I listen, it's, you can't even call it addressing a need when you you try to fill it in the sixth round, because you're playing the, the power ball at that point. Right. I mean, let's right. be real. How many sixth round guys come in and fill a starting need? That's why, this is one thing, not to get off track here, that frustrates me. I understand people are upset that they didn't draft a center. There was three centers in this draft when it comes down to it. I know people like Gilliard from Georgia, but there was three centers in this draft. And it was Garrett Bradbury, obviously Eric McCoy, who the Saints took. You know, so when it come, And then Elton Jenkins, who the Packers took. And maybe a couple guys that are guards right now that have experience at center, whether it's Dalton or Connor McGovern, maybe Chris Lindstrom could have played there. But at some point, you don't just take the position for the sake of taking the position you need good players. And I think that happened at cornerback at times. This was not a strong corner class, and those guys went really early. Like I said, if they traded back up in the second round to take Byron Murphy or Greedy Williams, that would have been phenomenal. But then your question to me would have been, how did this team not address the edge rusher spot or the offensive line? Because Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have had those picks. You get what I'm saying here? At some point, you can only fill – so many holes, and it is an indictment on the GM because a good GM doesn't have a lot of holes, right? You sign those in free agency, you draft them in successful previous drafts. Right. So that it's not—I it, am not scapegoating Mike McCagan at all because let's be real, this is his fault. But when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, I think they're just taking a flyer on a guy that probably had honestly round three talent at one point in his career. I, I really liked. The guy's talent Uh, on the watch list every year. I do peek at Rutgers because I'm curious who I don't have to fly to go see who's local and his name popped up on the list all the time. But unfortunately he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. All
1: right. So obviously we went through all the draft picks um, and now, and they've, they've made a couple of um, undrafted free agent signings. Uh, I I they, they've, they signed a wide receiver. They, They got a couple of guys, but what there's still needs that they need to fill. Uh, what are the biggest needs as we now enter the meat of the offseason? OTA is coming up, like all, or they're in the middle of OTAs. What is their biggest needs right now?
0: Well, I think you'd like to watch who the cuts are at the center position. And I, I think Harrison is not as bad as a lot of people think, but he's not a guy you want starting mm-hmm. at the center position. I think that's important to note. So that's a big one for me. Who's going to get cut from the center position if there's any – you know, cap casualties or really just anyone that doesn't have a spot on the roster anymore because of the draft. You look at it, I like that they got Greg Dortch as a UDFA. I think he's the guy that could be a backup for Crowder, and that could be very important. Crowder has struggled with injuries in the past, so let's be real. Having a backup there is is a need, and they solved it. Corner, of course, you'd like to watch. Uh, the big thing here for me is Greg Williams has to get Tremaine Johnson back to being Tremaine Johnson again, and that makes this all look a lot better. If he doesn't, Yeah, then you have some concerns. So those are the areas. I think center and corner, it's good that they got an edge pass rusher and polite. Hopefully they can get him on the fields right away. Obviously, Jordan Jenkins, Brandon Copeland, those guys will play on the other side of him a lot. So this is still a team with needs. There's no doubt about that. But I'll tell you what, before the offseason started between free agency and the draft, they've done a nice job filling a lot of different areas.
1: Right, right. All right, well, Connor, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate your insight and your, your expertise in the draft knowledge, and especially because you are a Jets fan. Uh, so Especially that's why we wanted to have you come on. So thanks so much. I appreciate it, man.
0: Oh, no problem. Anytime, man.
1: Huge thank you to Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report. He covers college football and NFL draft for them. Host to uh, host of Stick to Football. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Connor J Rogers R O G E R S. No D in in the uh, in the Rogers. Um, you know, I messed that up the first time. I looked for his name on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, excellent guest, great interview. I'm very thankful that he was able to come on and provide some much needed context for this draft. Uh, you know, he, he he's one of the better follows for. NFL draft uh, analysis. So I definitely recommend giving him a follow. Um, Connor. Other Connor. Connor Sh- uh, Sheeran. Uh, any last... A lot of Connors. Yeah, a lot of Connors. Any <laughs> last words? Uh, I, I
2: hate... I, I hate that this team always does this. Every single offseason, they do one or two good things that makes me optimistic. Every single season. So after the draft... We are where we are. Um, I wrote an article for Gotham Sports Network. You should go read it. Everyone that's listening, Gotham read, read, read. Uh, It's about it's Jets schedule. My season predictions. I have them at eight and eight. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, I have them at eight and eight. Uh, but last words: Jets had an okay draft. Started well. Finished poorly so so, like maybe we'll see i didn't love the later picks but you know not a lot of
1: not a lot of picks this year but word on the street is that the 2020 draft is where the jets are going to be making those uh skill position draft picks because apparently that 2020 wide receiver and running back class is
2: loaded Let's go then. So, I'm like I'm I'm already excited. Let's get to April. Yeah. April twenty twenty. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. I can
1: I, I can use another April. April's a great month. All right.
2: Exactly.
1: For Connor Sheeran, I am Jesse Finver. Thank you so much for listening. To the jet stream. If you wanna to listen to this, you have probably already downloaded and you're listening to it on either iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play. Make sure to give Gotham SN a follow on Twitter. Give me a follow at Finver Sports Twelve. And Connor, where can they find you on online? On the interwebs. Uh,
2: I am at the NJ Mick on Twitter. I'm Irish and I'm from the great state of New Jersey, so can pick the
1: pieces <laughs> together off of the back. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for coming on the pod, my friend. I appreciate it. Till next time, this has been the Jets stream. Connor, J E T S. Jets,
2: Jets, Jets. Jets.